Hey everybody, Dr. Dimer Jones here, physical therapist and fitness coach, and I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, I hope that you enjoy it. As every episode, we try to bring you high-impact content that is very valuable to your knowledge and to help push fitness, health, and wellness forward. So um, tune into the episode, let me know what you think afterwards, and if you want to check out any other content, head over to www highimpactpt.com slash podcast. Again, www.highimpactpt.com slash podcast and check out even more podcasts from there. Thank you. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast with your host, Dr. Diamond Jones, physical therapist and fitness coach. And today I have a special guest that this is like his third or fourth time technically being on the podcast. Whether it be your first time you hearing it, because we had some technical difficulties, my computer crashed. It was just been a mess, but he's been an awesome sport. And we may have another guest hop on here just kind of midway through the podcast as well. But we'll talk about that and we'll get to that whenever we get to that. But uh, today I have an awesome physical therapist, an awesome coach, an awesome track star, and he has by far, he knows this because we talked about it, one of the best bodies, yes, I said it, in the PT game. Uh, I got Dr. Jared Boyd here with me, um, physical therapist, and I mean, this guy is just awesome. Thanks, man. Hey, thank you for uh, for having me. I really appreciate it. I don't, I don't know if I'm a track star anymore. Uh, I coached some <laughs> some track stars, that's for sure. Uh, but I, I'm I'm probably pretty slow now. They would definitely dust me. But uh, no, I, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, been loving listening to the, your recent episodes. They've been really, really great. Uh, you have a lot of good people on here with a lot of just different insight and, and information. So I always love to listen to some good uh, podcasts, and, and I think it's been valuable with what I've been hearing from people. Yeah, man. well, appreciate that for one. It's, it's it's always good when the guests get to check out the podcast or two before. But uh, I know that you're a huge fan, which I highly appreciate. You know, especially coming from you, uh, someone that I definitely look up to, someone that I definitely check out all their content. To have a uh, someone to say that about me is is definitely humbling. And I know it's about the guests, but uh, hope that you tune in to hear me kind of blab my mouth as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure, man. So uh, obviously, like I said, you've, you've technically been on here three or four times, but uh, this is the first time the audience is able to hear you right now. So definitely give a little bit of a background story. Tell them about your 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 track star career, right? Uh, also, kind of where you went to PT school at. Obviously, you got you got um, uh, some more certs behind your name. Talk about that a little bit, and tell them where you're working at now because you work at a pretty badass company. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so I am a physical therapist, like you said. I'm also an athletic trainer. Uh, so I was uh, able to have an opportunity to, to go to Shenandoah University, which is in uh, Winchester, Virginia. Uh, and, and it was a really cool program because it was a, it was a dual degree. Uh, it was challenging. It was a lot of work because they were done uh, simultaneously. Um, but it, it really allowed me to gain better knowledge and understanding as well as just the practical uh, skill set of being able to manage acute injuries as well as um, emergency sideline-based um, injuries as well during sporting events from the athletic training perspective, uh, as well as obviously physical therapy being uh, a little bit more geared towards the rehabilitation process 
uh, post-surgical considerations as well. So it's really a good blend of, of both of those. And so it gave me a better lens to kind of view the body from and really how to navigate the entire process uh, of an athlete and, and, and a patient. Uh, so I was lucky to be able to do that. Uh, and then obviously like a lot of physical therapists out there nowadays, uh, especially ones that are working more in the sports um, oriented clinic. Um, I have a, my, my certification for strength and conditioning as well. Uh, and that was good just because it gave you, you know, a little bit more understanding of foundational sciences when it comes to programming, periodization, certain considerations uh, for the athlete. Uh, by no means the end-all be-all, um, because I, as I've heard you state on other podcasts, it's all about, you know, the experience that really is what makes you a better coach. Um, so, you know, it's kind of just blending and merging the art and the science, um, to be quite honest. Uh, and then I was able to, to pass um, the uh, board certification for a sports certified specialist, uh, which really is more of a certification for physical therapists that want to gain more uh, capabilities for handling uh, athletic-based injuries as well as, again, that sideline uh, coverage. Uh, so, you know, all those things, I think, help really give me a little bit more of foundations and principles in regard to, you know, just how the process works when an athlete steps foot in the clinic, uh, as well as, you know, the return to play considerations uh, that are really, really important with what we do here at Rehab to Perform, uh, my current job where I'm at in, in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, and so, you know, our, our clinic is, is special because if you, if you walk in, it's much different than a typical outpatient clinic. Um, it, it's not a medical feeling. It's more of like a, okay, I'm here to work, here to train, here to perform uh, type of clinic. So when you walk in, it's, it's very, we have music going, it's, it's, it's a big open space. Um, you see people off of the tables there on the turf field that we have in here. Uh, we have squat racks, kettlebells. I mean, we have Kaiser. So, I mean, I'm really in a, in a lucky position to be able to have access to all of this and really push people to their uh, capacities that they really need to exude for whatever challenges or environments um, that they're going to be exposed to so they can really excel um, better than what they were doing even before their, their injury. Uh, and then, as you stated, I'm a, I'm a track coach at a local high school here uh, underneath an amazing uh, head coach, Rob Dixon, uh, who was a, a stud at West Virginia, a uh, hurdler. And uh, we've been blessed to be able to win the last two uh, outdoor state championships here in Maryland for uh, the girls' side and um, slowly getting the guys to um, really get, get more recognition as well. So it's been fun, man. It's, it's been a lot of fun these past uh, three years that I've been here in Maryland and since I've been out of school. Yeah, man, uh, that's awesome, man. I mean, like, like your background is, is definitely one that I that I, I, that I I look up to, not only because of the, like, your path, right? I mean, you mentioned going to Shenandoah. You mentioned, you know, taking CSCS and then furthering that to the SCS and, and then kind of taking that route and, and really being around athletes and, the, and really, really being able to not only train them, but also, you know, get them back from rehab to perform, no pun intended. So I mean that's I mean, that's that's just amazing, man. I did not know that you went to Shenandoah. Uh, full disclosure, that was like like if I didn't go to my PC program, South College, I would have definitely gone there. I got accepted and everything, and it was both of the letters sat on my 
my kitchen table for about two weeks and wow yeah and finally i had to sign one of i felt like i like a college student because they were both email like a college recruit uh, they were both emailing right. to see what was going on and um you know uh i i loved it up there in shandoah uh, i wear the middle of november so being from mm -hmm. the south where it's literally i think 70 degrees today uh it was a little chilly for me uh but that's not the reason why i made the decision i'm totally joking but uh for sure it was it was a nice uh, school. The program was very nice. The facilities were very nice. So I know you got some top-notch training there. And then furthering that has been amazing, man. So definitely in the, your, your, your path to right now is pr pr pretty solid stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the reason I like Shenandoah, too, is because, is you know, it's a smaller school. Mm -hmm. um, I went to VCU, uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, for undergrad, and I loved it. It was, it was a huge university. Um, but I liked having a smaller atmosphere for grad school because it kind of kept you a little more focused. And, uh, you know, I, lo I love my school, too, just because of they really gave us the opportunity for our clinical rotations to really right. pursue what we wanted. So, you know, I was afforded the ability to have some really cool uh, experiences for my clinicals that, again, just really helped to mold me into, you know, who I am today and how I think. So, you know, one of my clinicals um, was at Exos. Uh, in, in Frisco, Texas, uh, which was really, really uh, just an overall great experience uh, from the performance side of things. Um, I had one at the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, which was great because that really upped my ability to triage, um, again, those acute um, illnesses or, or acute injuries, uh, as well as I had one at the University of Tennessee where I was in the training room um, seeing a, a lot of uh, football. I was there kind of for spring football, uh, a lot of just soccer athletes, track and field athletes. Um, so it was really cool to just be able to kind of merge all of those different things together. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, again, like your resume is just piling on more and more like coolness. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> and, and, you know, you know, regardless if you were University of Tennessee or University of Saskatchewan, who cares, right? I mean, the fact that you're around, you know, athletes, the fact you're able to kind of not only, you know, you know, see various types, but also treat, you know, D1 athletes, uh, treat people that, that like, obviously that, 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 that's your passion, which is huge, which is huge. So many times people want to work with athletes and then they kind of get around and, and get into different hubs and have rotations that don't quite fit that mode, but it sounds like you were rocking and rolling all the way through, man, which is, again, super impressive. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I was just, I was just lucky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So cool. So uh, I do have some coaches and some athletes that listen to this stuff. So we can nerd out about the clinic, clinic, uh, uh, clinical side of it later. So let's talk about kind of the, the, the track side of it uh, on like the, the performance side of it. Some ways that you kind of create the periodization for your athletes. Like what season are you in? How does that whole process go? How far out do you all plan that out? Um, you want to get specific drills or anything, but just kind of talk about the overall programming that you have. Uh, for any of the athletes that you see or like, that's going back into the performance side of things on the rehab side, or, or I'm sorry, from the rehab side? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. Um, to be quite honest, I, I really base a lot of my periodization and programming off of just the general uh, principles. And, and so I typically go, and that's regardless of, of the sport or the activity, it's kind of just going general. Um, and then slowly getting a little more specific. Obviously, you know, with track and field, um, there's going to be certain biomotor qualities that we want to make sure we, we instill in certain characteristics of, of the sport. 
um, that are more uh, demanding than other sports. So uh, for me, you know, I typically will start off with, if I'm thinking more from a, a actual track perspective um, with, with a non-injured athlete or an athlete that's coming back from an injury um, and they're 100% ready to go, uh, I'm thinking more of just like that, again, that general physical preparation, the GPP. So from a running perspective, uh, I'm trying to make sure that, okay, typically their, their lactate response is going to be uh, a little more uh, undeveloped. Um, they can't really tolerate a lot of high-intensity-based activities. Um, and so for them, you know, they're going to require longer periods of recovery uh, to, to really rest in between. We're going to be starting with a more aerobic-oriented base. Uh, we're doing things like extensive uh, tempos, um, which is where we're trying to, again, just develop more of that, that aerobic uh, capacity for them. Uh, and, and then we kind of slowly get into what's called intensive tempo. So extensive basically just means, hey, we're at around 65-75% of, of top-end speed. Um, so that could be something like 10 to 12 200-meter runs. Um, and, and with that, you know, I'll do like a one-to-one -one work to rest ratio or sometimes a one-to-three, uh, depending on their level of, of fatigue and, and capacity overall. Um, and, and then from there, I kind of slowly get into intensive tempos, which is a little more challenging, um, usually 80 to 85%. Uh, they're not getting full rest with this, maybe two minutes recovery. Um, and this is really just like that gateway to what I would term as speed endurance, right? So where we can kind of get to our speed or, or near top end speed, but can we maintain that for longer uh, without fatiguing out? And, and so that's something that's usually um, around uh, 15 to, to 90 seconds or so, uh, maybe a little bit less. Uh, and, and that's really like the, the starting point. Again, tempo runs, kind of slowly getting them from aerobic to being able to um, tolerate some anaerobic, higher intensity based training, more training that's stimulated to the central nervous system. Um, and, and then from there, we might get a little more specific. Um, and from that, you, you know, we might start to do things that are uh, lower volume, higher intensity. We're doing more acceleration work, more true speed oriented work, which is for me typically going to be eight to 15 seconds. Um, and, and, and then from there, we kind of slowly get into what is their actual event from a competition perspective. Are, are they a middle distance runner? Are they a um, short sprint oriented runner? Uh, and we can start to really narrow the programming down from that perspective. But in general sense, again, it's more, hey, let's build the base, build the buffer and aer uh, aerobically um, so that they can recover better when we have more of the higher intensity oriented uh, workloads that come in the future. Uh, and, and from a actual uh, weight room perspective, it's the same thing of, hey, let's make it general, let's just build tissue tolerance, let's build capacity. So we're building the gas tank. Uh, we're not too worried about building the engine quite yet. So we just wanna be able to make sure that we can um, tolerate larger amounts of volume uh, and, and make sure that overall we have just tendon resiliency from a runner perspective. Uh, so we might do heavy isometrics. Uh, we might slowly then get into um, some, some eccentric work for various muscle groups that might be more uh, susceptible to uh, strains. Uh, and, and then we're, we're doing a lot of asymmetrical movements as well because we know that track and field is a reciprocal alternating type of movement. Uh, yeah. So we're doing a lot of uh, single leg oriented work or asymmetrical work. We're doing the same thing for the upper body as well, but we still throw in some things where we're just getting more of our uh, true uh, strength work in as well. Uh, 
and, and so that's really, you know, kind of how I will, um, you know, tend to program things. And we could get more, you know, specific um, if you wanted, but but that's kind of just the overarching theme of, of how I program things, kind of starting again general and getting more specific if I deem it necessary for that individual. Yeah, no, I mean, all that, I mean, I mean, that's huge. You, you, you talked about a few things that I would love to dive into that, that's important from the coaching side, but also, again, from the clinical side of well. You mentioned, like, good intolerance, and that was the first thing I thought when everyone talked about the initial kind of background in athlete. Like, do, are they able to withstand that activity that we're going to ask of them, rather they are an elite athlete or they're coming off from you know, a surgery or there's someone that's just coming that just say, hey, I just randomly want to start picking up track and field. Like you talked about how, like how doing the tempo work, how doing the, the activity that you're doing is building that tolerance. And then we're going to extrapolate that to now, uh, or I'm sorry, make that really specific uh, to whatever that distance is or whatever that track athlete needs to happen. Um, I mean, that's huge, man. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's a lot of fun, really. I mean, Track and field is one of those things that can really get uh, – you can get caught up in the minutia for sure. And, it, and sometimes it is – you know, it's fun. It's fascinating because um, it's all about, you know, seconds. It's all about time, and those small details really matter. But uh, for a large portion of the population, uh, especially younger athletes, it's just more about making sure that, uh, again, like you said, they, they have that capacity, they have that tolerance. We're not um, burning them out, um, and, and we're just slowly – kind of building that base again so they can start to have higher intensity uh workloads um and so you know it's it's fun man. it's really fun i'm sure it's kind of similar to you from a, a power lifting perspective as well yeah yeah no 110 percent. like uh you know I, I tell new athletes or even athletes that have been there for a while like what are we trying to do here are we trying to have like you pr every single day all the time no, we're not. We're trying to actually train you up until when, so whenever you are required to hit that PR, <clears throat> I'm sorry, or go to that competition, now all of a sudden we kind of built that system, got that knowledge through there, know exactly what we need to do in order to hit that longevity aspect of it, but also able to have you peak uh, at the right times and um, to perform really, really well. So um, I, I, I think I forgot who said it. Um, I think Ben Bergeron. We talk about the difference between training and competing. Hey, you shouldn't compete when you're trying to train. So I think trying to get in that mindset uh, out there and, and speak on it on the tolerance issue. Say, hey, look, I don't want you to PR every day because your tolerance or your tissues won't like that. But being able to, again, start off with that tempo work, as you mentioned, and then transition to your specific um, events. Um, that's huge. That's huge. And I think um, that will not only build better athletes, but build them for the long haul. Um, so, yeah, pretty cool stuff, man. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. The long haul, I like it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I was listening to another podcast maybe like a month ago, uh, Dr. Andy Gilpin. Um, are you familiar with him at all? I am, yes. Yeah. I haven't heard him on a podcast, but I know who you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, man, this guy, I mean, he was spitting flames. And I think the the rule of podcasting that you don't bring him another podcast, I don't care. Get off this podcast, stop this podcast right now and go listen to him. <laughs> Uh, on SWAT University with uh, Andy, um, with, with um, Horsick, and he is Dr. Horsick. He is, I mean, he's amazing, the stuff he does. Uh, stop this podcast, go listen to that, and then come back to this one um, to kind of know what we're talking about, like if you aren't. But he, um, he mentioned some great research, some absolutely magnificent research uh, that's coming out now when it comes to uh, like long distance athletes. 
that are mm-hmm. instead of them like going you know you know full blown out and in um, kind of just revving up to the to to the to the competition working all the way to the competition what they did was actually um and again that's why you need to listen to the podcast because uh, I might not be citing this right but what they did was uh, they took long distance athletes who have no like probably don't lift weights at all uh, or maybe sparingly. Uh, but what they did was actually put them on like a strength training regimen at the last two weeks right before their work or, or like right before their uh, competition. And what they seen was like a 7% um, increase in like numbers or whatever kind of metric they were using. Uh, basically, they just get, they basically took elite athletes. It basically made them better by 7% while everyone's fighting for 1%. Uh, and talk about the kind of the importance of, of like, you know, not only having the endurance and having that uh, aerobic capacity, also, too, that, that last sort of push at the end through that power, through that strength training, being able to withstand that tolerance at the end of the race, not only from the cardiovascular side, but also from the muscle kind of strength and um, type one, I'm sorry, type two fibers uh, and, and, and having that power. So um, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. How important is uh, strength training when it comes to athletes? Obviously, you're a super strong individual. That's something that you preach to your athletes. Um, and then, you know, we can nerd out about the, the, the kind of the the cool side of that uh, when it comes to strength training and stuff like that, when it comes to quote unquote endurance athlete and then vice versa, the power lifters, you know, what that does uh, do for them as well to kind of mix that in. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's, that's a really cool study. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, runners, it's, it's a very undervalued, underappreciated uh, quality uh, in the strength, right? They, they think that, Oh, when I run, that's, all the physical activity I need and that's going to allow me to be efficient, which yes, that should likely consume um, a large portion of your actual training itself. But um, in, in order to complement and supplement that and to really kind of reach your fullest potential or, or kind of get towards the ceiling, um, you have to, you have to strength train, right? So, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is, Hey, you're building tissue tolerance. You're uh, allowing your your tendons themselves to just be uh, more efficient or effective at uh, absorbing uh, force as well, uh, and you're having better what I would call impact tolerance or load tolerance. Um, you're also just increasing again that energy storage, energy release. That's all running is. So uh, I need to make sure that um, I can really afford for my my body to accept and tolerate a huge amount of gravitational as well as body weight forces that are acting upon them. Uh, and, and then also, like you said, it's, it's from a, a performance perspective, uh, it's going to help me become more forceful. If, I can, if I'm stronger, likely what I can do is apply more force down into the, cr- into the ground because if we're thinking about speed, whether you're a sprinter or whether you're long distance, middle distance, whatever it is, in order for you to have a better time, uh, you need to go faster. So in order for me to go faster, typically uh, I want to make sure that my ground contact times are, are lower. Now, if my ground contact time are, are, are lower, uh, that's going to be less time for me to apply force into the ground. So I really want to make sure that I'm as efficient as possible, not just from a technical perspective uh, about where the positioning of my foot is when I land, uh, especially for track and field, but about how much force I can apply in the shortest amount of, of time, so a rate of force development. And I can really help to in, improve that by just having a foundational base of strength. Um, and then we also want to make sure we don't forget about the other qualities as well. So, you know, what I'll do kind of is I think about track and field or just running in general as, as from a periodization uh, standpoint, I don't usually do a lot of block practice. 
yeah. uh, because there's so many qualities that they need simultaneously. And, and, and usually what I found to be a little bit more uh, ideal and suitable is uh, undulating periodization for them. Um, especially during the season, again, we, we got to kind of fine tune things and see which as athletes need more power or which ones need more maximal strength. And so I kind of use uh, undulating and what that kind of looks like is, you know, you can pair a certain biomotor quality in the weight room with what you're trying to target on the track. So that would look like something of, okay, we, we have a day that's more speed oriented. So we're really, we're just doing speed work. Maybe we're doing a few uh, sets of, 80 to 100 meter runs. So we're, we're truly focusing on speed. And then we pair that in the weight room with dynamic effort or power oriented work. Um, Great, yes. And so, right? so, so it's really cool to kind of pair those two things together and it makes more sense. And I think it resonates for the athlete too. And then let's say, all right, we're working on speed endurance. So your ability to maintain your top end speed for a longer period of time before you start to fatigue. So that's the track work, speed endurance. Um, and maybe that's something where you're doing Again, so a, a few, maybe you're doing eight to 10, uh, 10 to 12 uh, repetitions of 150 meter re, uh, repeats. Um, but then in the weight room, you're doing repeated effort or work capacity oriented work, right? Um, and then lastly, uh, we have to work on acceleration as well, whether you're a sprinter or whether you are a middle distance runner. I need to learn how to get out. I need to learn how to create separation. I need to learn how to have uh, bursts of speed. So I need acceleration, but then I can pair that in the gym or in the weight room with more max strength because in order for me to overcome inertia with acceleration, especially when I'm starting, I need uh, just kind of almost brute strength. So max strength for acceleration, uh, repeated effort or work capacity. Um, so higher kind of volume, lower uh, rest break is going to be paired with my speed endurance. And then my actual speed work is going to be paired more with my dynamic effort or my power oriented work. Uh, and, and I think that really kind of sets things up. It makes more sense uh, for, for the athlete and you're working on two qualities that really match up without having a lot of uh, interference. Man, that, I mean, that's amazing, right? I mean, like, like you, you, you kind of figured out how to put not only sports specific quote unquote drills, into but also extrapolate that to the weight room and, and kind of say hey guys not you and our gals not 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 only are we going to get you stronger today we're also going to couple of that what you like you said with acceleration word that's like it's transferable like it's not blocks in like two months of weight training two months of acceleration drill it's like no monday through friday you might be in the weight room three times but we're doing different mm -hmm. going i mean that's I mean that's I mean that's some pretty sweet stuff, man. That's 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 amazing, and and I really do think that that's the next wave of uh, of uh, like performance based uh, training, um, more or less, is for lack of a better term, a sports specific training where we couple those things together, not just this you know nineteen and I'm gonna pick on a few people here nineteen fifties way of you know we got so many months of weight training because I was a football player, so we did that January through March we did. Uh, we did strength training and marched through whatever. We started to do more sports specific stuff, and then we had like winter. I'm sorry, not, I'm sorry, like summer conditioning, and then we had like fall camp, and then we got into sports. But like, what you're doing is like you're just mashing it all together and saying, "Hey, you might weight train, you might do some celebration stuff, you might do all kind of stuff, and keep you kind of active in that aspect of it." So, I mean, that's I mean, that's sweet, man. That's sweet. Yeah, it's, it's cool, man. It's, it's really cool. And, it, you know, I like it, too, because 
to be quite honest, a lot of the athletes, they take to it better. Uh, it takes out some of the monotony of training as well. We know a lot of times monotony can be associated with uh, overload um, or, or overtraining to a certain extent. And so it kind of just keeps things fresh. It keeps it novel. It keeps them really uh, psychologically uh, really interested and invested in what you're doing. So I, I like it. Yeah, huh? yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, especially with dealing with with high schoolers, and we, I mean, we obviously both been in high school. Uh, but you know, today's high schoolers is I, you know, I think every generation say that they're just different. So <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. To, to keep them focused and away from the phones and 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 kind of like, what do I got to do this? The Y generation, they always say every generation is the Y generation. I truly believe that about these today's uh, kiddos. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, just kind of mix everything. Why well, I do this, coach? Okay, whatever. <laughs> no, I hundred percent agree. Yeah, yeah. So cool. So so let's so let's hop over to the the clinical side, and and obviously we both blurred the line between clinical stuff and performance. But let's talk about like a true like uh, someone's coming off of an injury, or someone um, is 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 trying to get back to track, or whatever their sport is. Right. I I, I know that that's not just who you see. Um, but like, say if like they were coming in and out of post-surgical, um, or whatever, like what would be the steps that you would do to get them back to doing that, uh, particular act, um, sport, a uh, sport? Yeah. So, yeah. uh, that's a great question. So, uh, what we, we've kind of made and developed a, a overarching theme of how do we get people again, like you're saying, from that rehab to performance perspective through phases of rehab. And uh, this is something that we actually really go over and dive deep uh, into our seminars and our courses that we do here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We might give form. any of that away. Just give me some general stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe no, no, I'll, I'll seminars just... in because they're awesome, man. Like, y'all got a really great team. But, yeah, for sure, just general yeah. stuff. Yep. No, I, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, so, so, in general, you know, what we would do is we'll have a phase – uh, what, what we will name as it's just homeostasis restoration. So basically what that means is, hey, typically we're going to go for low-hanging fruit. What are things that we want to make sure that we get back to normalcy? Uh, so we're looking at range of motion. We're looking at um, making sure that we get pain to a tolerable, respectable level. Um, yeah. We want to make sure that we get ambulation, uh, if it's lower extremity, um, back to, again, normal. Uh, we're making sure that we get just locomotive capabilities um, back to the baseline. So um, we're, we're decreasing the threat to the system. And so that could be um, a, a whole host of different methods that you're implementing. But overall, uh, as long as you have your principles in place and you have those phases there, you understand that, hey, first line of defense is let's make sure that we regain range of motion. We regain the ability to move our limbs uh, symmetrically. We can ambulate without having any apprehension. Uh, then, you know, from there, we would go into trying to, to give people back some of their foundational movements. Um, so hinge, push, pull, uh, squat. Uh, I, I also put, a, I put a, a carries in there as well. I put in um, rotation in there as well uh, for foundational movements. I know a lot of people don't, but I think being able to rotate uh, is something that's really fundamental. So those are really what we're yeah, trying oh, to yeah. get back. Uh, and, and then competency with body weight oriented movements. Uh, and then some sensory motor control as well. That's what we're really trying to gain back. So that could be upper or lower extremity, but you should be able to push, pull, hinge, squat, carry, uh, and, and rotate um, within like that second phase. And that's again, upper and lower extremity, as well as be able to demonstrate some level of uh, control sensory motor wise. 
Uh, and then from there, we get more into our, okay, how do we start to regain and integrate these biomotor qualities back in? So we want to make sure with those positions that you can acquire, can you add load to them? Uh, can your joints and tissues and, and nervous system, uh, as well as you psychologically, tolerate uh, strength-oriented movements? Um, so we're adding load. Uh, we're adding volume, intensity from strength. You know, we, we go to power. We go then into uh, speed. And then, uh, you know, once we kind of acquire all those different variables, then we move into kind of like that last phase of, okay, now it's time to take everything we've been doing and making it more of a performance or specific oriented goal. So uh, we're doing more, uh, we'll start typically with closed uh, loop type of drills and we get to more of our open loop. So we're thinking more of a predictable to unpredictable, um, right? So uh, less chaotic to more chaotic, uh, anticipatory to reactive. Uh, we start with deceleration to acceleration, multi-directional movements. Uh, and, and we're doing so in a way that is allowing the person to slowly gain their confidence back uh, and really put them in environments and situations that they're going to encounter uh, in their actual sport. So everything is you know, in the sequential order of intensity and progression, not just physically, but also mentally, making sure that the athlete is, is truly prepared. Um, and that's really, you know, the, again, just thinking in, in big pictures from like an overarching lens of, of rehab, whether post-surgical or whether some type of a time loss injury, that's typically the, the process uh, that I and really we as a team will, will go through. And, and along that process, we have different check marks that we're making sure we hit uh, when it comes to demonstrating uh, certain capabilities and capacities and, and competencies so that we know whether or not we're really uh, doing what we say we're doing. We can hold ourselves accountable by doing uh, certain or checking certain parameters. So, you know, uh, we might do a wide balance test at a certain uh, week, uh, which shows us uh, one particular thing. And then uh, we might do uh, rear elevated split squats for uh, strength um, and we're looking at a certain percentage of body weight. Uh, we might do a 5-10-5 later on when we get more to like that performance aspect. We're doing some aerobic testing, anaerobic testing. So we're making sure we're testing everything that we're trying to provide with them uh, so that we can really make sure they're set up for success. And, and also uh, what we can provide them once they're done and they kind of graduate, what do they really still kind of need to work on just a little bit to have of that durability as an athlete. Yeah, man, first of all, thank you for that. Um, uh, that was amazing. <laughs> uh, for, <laughs> I mean, I mean, just to, to break down at the, from from not only from like you said, decreasing pain, increasing range of motion, to really being able to test those markets with objective data, with objective. Because you know, athletes, the only thing they want to do is get back to their sport. I feel great. I feel fine. My knee doesn't hurt. My leg doesn't hurt. My shoulder doesn't hurt. Okay, but actually using objective data throughout that whole process. And then, like you said, still having that follow-up uh, with, with them after, after they kind of go into their sport uh, in, order, in order to make sure the outcomes and that long-term um, result is there, man. That's, I mean, that, I mean, that, man, that's some pretty sweet stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. And, and, you know, like a big thing, is too, that I think about is, um, a lot of athletes is exactly what you just said, like, oh, I can, I can do this. My range of motion is better. I can walk. I don't have pain. And then they go back to the physician at a certain month, right? And the physician says, okay, well, things look good um, from a, a physical 
or excuse me, a, a medical perspective, yeah. hey, you're clear to play, right? You can go back. Why? Well, because uh, uh, the, the injured tissue has histologically healed, yeah. yep. right? So things look good. But that doesn't mean, and we understand this, uh, and, and hopefully uh, more physicians and really just clinicians in general start to understand that it's not just the, the medical clearance, but it's also they need to be physically uh, ready to return to sport. So just because my tissue is, is healed, um, doesn't mean that it has the, like we already know, the tolerance and the capacity to handle uh, the loads. And it, and it also doesn't mean that I've spent enough time, right? I, I just went to a great course this weekend um, in New York with a lot of really cool uh, physical therapists that I've kind of been talking with online uh, on, on Instagram. So it's kind of cool to meet them in, in person. But it was uh, Tim Gabbett. Um, you Yo, know, he's really yeah. big right now on, on load management, load monitoring. And the big thing is, okay, well, if we had an athlete that's been out for a while and, and they've been going through rehab, we want to make sure that they acquire some sense of chronic uh, workload uh, before they go back right into their activity. So I think about it as like, we need to build your savings account back, right? We can't have you living paycheck to pay paycheck. So uh, when you have an injury, that's basically you saying, hey, you've depleted your savings. Uh, and while you're going through your recovery, um, you're slowly kind of paying off off some debt, right? So you've you've kind of gone negative in your in your checking and your savings account. And so now you have to pay back your debt that you owe, and that's going to be the healing process, right? So that's when the physician says, oh, you paid back your back your debt, so things look good, you can return. But we know just because you pay back your debt doesn't mean that you've acquired more savings. So it's up for us to make sure that they spend a little more time training in the clinic to develop their savings or increase their chronic workload, so that when they do have some of those acute spikes. Um, they can they can tolerate that and those acute spikes right money wise is going to be you going out and spending a little bit more money but hey you know that you're not going to go negative because you have a savings so that's kind of uh, the analogy that I'll use for athletes and that seems to tends to resonate with them yeah no I mean yeah any kind of kind of metaphor like that like I definitely love doing that I love kind of breaking out the the marker and the pen and calling talk about tolerance and activities and and how like hey like you know although you know maybe the tissue you know, in, in the kind of what you said, like not not even sur post surgical, but just like the maybe the tissue is is not able to tolerate that, and like that's why you're feeling this. Or let's say that you feel better, but you're still not quite able to perform at the maximum level. Being able to kind of demonstrate that and show that is that hey, look, I want you, like you said, be able to have more money to spend. Like I don't want you to go up to your full capacity during the first game to your second game, but being able to tolerate the season, being able to tolerate the, the movements, being able to cut, jump, hop, skip, uh, lift weights uh, without, you know, one, the fear of pain, but secondly, uh, you know, the, the fear or the, 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 the actuality of your tissue not being able to tolerate that. And now it's at that injury state again or at that level where, man, like I'm still kind of dealing with the same thing again. So that's huge when it comes to, to having that conversation. And Tim Gabbett work, if, if like you're a clinician or a coach listening to this stuff or an athlete, if you want to check it out, I think it's revolutionizing the way that we look at a bunch of stuff. It's, yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it will go down as I believe um, top three things in like our performance clinician generation as being one of the things that now we get it like, Oh, like, Oh, we thought we were doing a bunch of stuff. Oh no, this is what's really important. <laughs> some athletes have gotten, or some clinicians have gotten to the point that that's really what they all, all, all they preach is that tolerance aspect of it, and then building that tissue back up. Man, it's, I mean, top three, top three at least. 
Absolutely, I agree with you. Yeah, and then uh, and like again, I I envy the fact that you were able to go up there and check that out. I can't wait to to check out uh, some more of his work and and get to a course. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of sexy stuff out there, uh, for lack of a better word. But I think you know, learning more about that, more to have that conversation with the athlete, because I'll talk about my sport for a little bit. Telling someone to not come to a CrossFit gym or to powerlift or weightlift is not is not happening. We don't we don't have that 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 um that kind of that period of like you know like they're not doing sport because they can't quite get into the cutting and jumping and stuff like you know i'm talking to athletes that are still working out the next day but trying to convince them that hey you know let's talk about this load management and have that super fast buy-in so i'm always looking for different ways different analogy different metaphors and kind of saying hey trust me on this right here i promise you right. i'll be back to what you want to do as long as we decrease the load for now and then once things start to feel better, we increase the load and then go from there. Um, so, you know, they, they kind of see the, 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 like the differences where like you have this long drawn out kind of, you know, systematic approach. And I said, they're not like, they're, they're, they're at home sitting around just watching TV, but there's like this period of like, you're, you're able to kind of say, Hey, look, we're focusing on this. Whereas in my sport it's like, <laughs> I gotta, gotta get them to, by and then the next day say, okay, great. Now that you bought into the rehab side of it, now I know that next time you come into the gym, this is what we're working on. And constantly having that reminder over and over and over again has been one of those things that I that I love to have a conversation. And I oftentimes uh, bring up Tim Gabbard with acute chronic workload in or the, the tissue tolerance and then being able to understand that. So uh, absolutely, yeah, I love it, man. Pretty, pretty cool stuff, man. But. Anyways, yeah, I man, we can nerd out about this, 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 this stuff all night. Uh, I know that you are a sports fan, so we'll definitely talk about sports. Uh, one, I don't, um, I don't remember if we talked about football last time, but that's okay. We'll talk about it now, um, and then uh, basketball and, and all that fun stuff. First of all, what did you think about the national championship? Did you watch that? Yeah, good question. So you know what? I'm not a huge college football fan, so I watched uh, the first half. Yeah, uh, and I was like, huh, I, I got to go to sleep, man. I'm tired, and uh, and and I wanted I wanted uh, Clemson to win, and I was glad that they did. I think it's just a good change of, of scenery for for sports in general. Um, but I did not think that they would beat them that 44 to 16. That is crazy. That was I was not expecting that, but I thought the you know it's good. I mean, we need something different. Um, and it keeps people excited. So, and, and that's for me, especially because I'm like, all right, well, it's the same people always winning. And yeah, college football is exciting with the plays that they make. But I, I don't know. I was just kind of losing a little interest. So I was glad to see that. So it kind of makes me more inclined to be a little bit more of an avid watcher uh, when it starts back up next season. Um, so, yeah, what did you think about it? Man, I am a, I am a Florida fan, uh, but I'm also an SEC fan. So anytime we're doing anything outside of, uh, you know, playing playing my Gators, uh, I root for them. So it was kind of disheartening to watch that, but that's okay. Like I like Clemson, I like Dabo, I like their team, I like the the quarterback they have. He he kind of reminds me of of a kind of like a kind of kind of like an Andrew Luck style type quarterback where he just loves the sport, uh, but he can also be misconstrued kind of the way he responds and acts, almost like a Johnny Manziel type where he's kind of like cocky. Mm. So I kind of like the like the economy that people kind of look at him between those two lands. It'll be curious to see moving forward how he responds to the, all the fame. I'm sure his DMs are blowing up right now. So <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of people coming with money, and hopefully he'll be able to kind of back off from it. Um, and then um, 
when it comes to NFL, what's your thoughts on that? Are your, your team still in there? Are you watching that? Oh, man, you know, hey, hey, you're like this. How about them Cowboys? Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, sir. Man. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. man. That, that's that's my team right there. Hey, I'm not even gonna lie. I was I was pretty nervous uh, before we played the the Seahawks because I mean Russell Wilson, he's 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 the man when it comes to, to the playoffs yeah. and he's a playmaker. So I was a little nervous about it, and uh, you know I'm glad that that we pulled it off and I thought it was a really good win. Uh, we played better than we have in a while, especially offensively. I thought we played better because we haven't even even the games that we've won in the season to me it didn't really seem like we were doing a great job on offense. And yeah. I still think we got some stuff to work out, especially before we play uh, the Rams. So yeah, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm excited about it right now. Yeah, no, I mean, like the Rams are, um, you know, they, they, they are a team that quote-unquote can be beat. Um, you know, like as long as we put everything together offensively, I think our defense, um, Todd Gurley, is going to be impossible to start a stop. But um, he's, uh, I mean, like they got a top five defense, um, rushing, passing, all, all, all that fun stuff. So that should be a pretty good matchup. Um, our running back, obviously Zeke, he, he um, I mean, he's going against, I think they're the 23rd ranked rushing attack or like rushing yeah. defense. So it all kind of lined up to where it's like, okay, if we can put this together really good for one game. We can beat, where, where are they, 12 and four uh, Rams or something yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. We could beat them. You know, it's it's going to be tough. It's in L.A., but the Cowboys are going to – the Cowboy fans are going to travel, for one, if they aren't already there because, you know, that's where they basically do their training camps. Um, so it should be a pretty, 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 pretty decent one, man. It should be pretty one. NBA, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, so I don't – I used to love the Celtics. Um, yeah. they, that's, that's, when, that's when they had the big three, right? So I love them when they had Ray, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. Uh, Rondo was amazing. He was a playmaker, showstopper. Uh, I think, you know, when, when they broke up, I was like, oh, I don't really have a team. I kind of now just follow players. And, and so I used to really not uh, like LeBron too much or, or I didn't really care for him. Right. Now I, I am, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a LeBron fan, but not just because of, you know, his, what he does on the court, but just all around. And, you know, he really resonates with just values and morals that uh that align with me as well so i I really i really dig you know what he's doing um but i i can't say that i like the lakers though right so um you know for me i just like watching good games uh right now and i want to see somebody else other than the warriors win so it'd be cool to see if, if the east can do something this year so uh we'll see you know you got you got a team you rock with the mavericks too or what no, no, no. So, full disclosure, like, my dad is from uh, Philadelphia, born and raised. And he's a Cowboys fan. He said they were not good growing up and he wasn't going to root for a loser. So, <laughs> for the Cowboys, he, the only um, Philly team that he actually would root for is the 76ers. And, but he's actually truly a L.A. Flaker fan like me. <laughs> so, both L.A. Lakers fans, um, we love Kobe. We, we love kind of what he did. Um, and then, you know, I was like you. Like, I was, I didn't care for LeBron, but once I got older and realized his impact, not only on the court, but also off the court, what he does with the, you know, the, the I promise school, all his, his, uh, his different programs that he has, someone that you can definitely look up to as a role model. Um, and right. like, he kind of follow his own path. Like he's, he's doing documentaries as if he's retired, but he's in the league, still the best player. So it's like, you can't exactly. that guy. Like, you know, like anytime I ever want to be like, I'm not ready for that. Or like, I'm not there yet. You can just kind of look at him and saying like he's doing documentaries with his friends on ESPN, 
as he's still in the league and like doing <coughs> like <clears throat> fireside chats and saying he's the best player in the world. And whether you agree with that comment or not, it's like, dang, like this person is really out here saying this stuff. So I kind of like all that about him. So I'm definitely LA fan. Definitely love LeBron on the team. Um, don't know. I like it here. I do like dynasty. So uh, I don't mind if late, if the Warriors win again. I really don't. I really don't mind. Uh, I'm, I'm weird like that. Like, if Bama will win 10 straight or if an SET team win 40 straight, I don't mind that at all. I like being a part of that history and say, hey, I saw that dynasty or I remember back when. So I like being a part of that. Um, but we've been lucky to see the, all that kind of stuff in our lifetime. So we've seen the, you know, obviously the, the Cubs win. We've seen teams. We've seen the Cleveland, you know, Cavaliers win. So, you know, we've, we've, we've gotten spoil, spoiled in sports. So I'm always – looking for the next new thing, like a three-peat or um, Bama winning five in a row or you know, SEC team team win. Heck, my Gators win five in a row. But uh, – <laughs> but Right, so, right, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. So, so, so all that's pretty, pretty unique, man. So, anyways. So, cool. So, um, obviously, you are a track phenom. <laughs> Who's <laughs> – uh, so who is, who is, like, that next track um, star we should look for? Obviously, Usain Bolt has retired. He's obviously one of the most – uh, obviously, I mean, financially, he's the richest track star ever, um, but also a global icon. Who Who's the next person we, we, we should be looking for? It's 2018, so – I'm sorry, it's 2019. It's uh, – what is it? Uh, 2019. Oh, is yep. Something coming up, like the Worlds or something like that? Or was that last year? Like, what, what's, what, what, what's going on? Yeah, right now – so, hey, man, I would say – I mean, look, the USC is – Crushing it. Well, they crushed it last year. They're going to crush it again this year because yeah. most of the people that they had were um, like sophomores. They had some juniors. And one guy that is going to be amazing, uh, he's, he's definitely going to the, the next Olympics, uh, Michael Norman. Yeah. Uh, he is he is a, a beast. He's a stud. Uh, so he's going to be really cool to watch and look out for. Um, and, and really, you know, just their whole team is, is pretty solid, to be quite honest. Uh, they, they got a lot of really, really solid, good runners uh, at USC. And I, I want to say their coach won uh, coach of the year for, for track and field as well, which is huge. So she's just she's just stepping, stepping stuff up and, and make people, making people uh, uh, work harder and making all the other coaches really become more uh, – just more effective in their coaching methods for track and field, you know, because sometimes it's easy to just say, oh, go run and go do this and go do this without having any practicality behind it. So she's putting pressure on uh, some of those, those other schools. Um, so I would say, yeah, Michael Norman or really just USC's whole team um, in general is, is really crushing it right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, awesome stuff. Like, oftentimes, like I said, root for SC team. So I oftentimes watch, like, the indoor-outdoor championships – when they're on, we used to uh, record. We we used to record them on DVR, and we would go through and watch all the well, most of the track events. Okay, <laughs> I'm just be honest with you. Uh, the <laughs> events, I like those, like the triple jump and the high jump and all that stuff. But I can never do it, so I just skip all that. I was a a sprinter, hundred, two hundred, and four by one. I wouldn't run. And you talk about an athlete that was just like I, I wouldn't say lazy, but just kind of like super cocky. I would be like, I'm not running a coach more than 400 meters, like, period. Like, <laughs> I was running a mile before we got started. And I would be, oh, like, I would go to tutoring or something. 
And then, like, when we showed the practice, I would just do my thing. And then I was like, ah, oh. looking back on it now, I was like, ah, oh. like, just so much wasted time and energy and potential. Yeah. But you know what? But you know what? Um, you know, it's, you know, you kind of hindsight 2020 on that one. Um, but definitely now, I, I mean, I have to run more than 400 meters. Uh, so <laughs> definitely paying paying for it now. Every time I run more than more than that, I'm like darn it, I should have ran more of these in high school. So it is what it is. Cool. Absolutely. Uh, look, uh, one person I didn't mention too. I don't know how this, I didn't think about this, but uh, Andre Degrassi. He yeah. He he was training um at, at one place, and and he just got a new uh, trainer who's supposed to be like amazing. He wasn't in the states for a while, and I think he's back. And so he switched trainers and um. I think he's 2020. He's he's going for that gold for sure, uh, in in the 200. So so we'll see. You know what he's working with. But I think he'll be exciting to watch. I think he's a a good up and comer that'll probably be running for gold for sure. Yeah. No. And uh, you know, like my favorite sport was the 100. So hopefully we're able to tame that again here in the here in, in uh, the U.S. I mean, Jamaica had it for years, and I mean their track team was just amazing, but. Hopefully, we're retirement of Usain Bolt and a couple of other their athletes were able to kind of bring those sprinting sports back. Because, I mean, people love the long distance stuff. And yeah, we rack up trophies and the most medals. But, like, if we can get those track event, uh, track and field events and stay in the pool and the watering and win those butterflies and stuff, like, that's all we care about. And then obviously, do the gymnastics. But, you know, those three things right there, if we can, we can hone those down, um, I think that we'll be pretty good to go. So, um, but I mean, a lot of other countries, I mean, their sports um, facilities have, have, develop vastly in order to do that they see how much money the olympic bring not only from the athletes winning the stuff but are kind of winning gold but uh, and not to say they're getting paid for that but kind of the, the clout or the the fame that comes that they bring back to the country and it's just something for them to look at so they're definitely putting a lot of money into that so that's pretty cool that's pretty cool absolutely that's pretty cool stuff man yeah i think i um i said this um on my live po- on my last podcast we are really in the golden age when when it comes to fitness, health, and wellness. And I think anyone that's working in this this setting, whether you are an owner of a, a world class uh, like sports facility, or your clinician working in this field, or you're someone like me that's just trying to come up and and be a coach and, and do all this other kind of stuff, or you're an athlete in this age right now. I mean, you are at, in like the mecca right now of of information. Uh, so find you a great coach, you know, be, you know, find you uh, some great courses to get a part of to learn more about load management. You know, um, if you are a, a coach, you know, find you, you know, all this different stuff and pull this information in to be, make better athletes from the research, not just say, hey, this is what my coach in the 50s did, but actually getting the research, like you said, like the USC coach is doing and really helping that to drive better athletes because it is possible. Um, we're seeing it right now. We're seeing people get seven jumps on their runs times because they're they're switching the game up and using research to help guide that, man. So, I mean, uh, I just want to thank you for coming on. I think you were talking shot with me, man. But, uh, but yeah, for sure, man. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been, been fun. Like you said, we could talk for forever. Uh, but it's time for me to go get some burgers and, and, and some fries because I'm hungry. Uh, I got you know, got got to feed the tank, man. So it's time for me to go throw down. Hey, I'm actually making burgers tonight, so I'm making uh, like a manwich kind of sloppy Joe type things. I have no problem with saying that at all. I need to just get that in there, eat eat that up, <laughs> and then go to sleep, and then wake up and work out tomorrow. That's fine with me. That's, that's, that's one of my go-to meals right there, man. Yeah. With sloppy Joe, oh man, yeah, oh my I, god, I got, got, thing, yeah, they got, got a little bit of everything you need, man. 
throw some bell peppers <laughs> in there, you get some stuff in there, you make it healthy, you slap some lettuce on there, it'll be good to go eat it, eat it on wheat bread with the fire yes, protein. Oh man, it's just perfect. So anyways, man, I so hey, thank you, thank you so much for coming on, man. Um definitely, definitely we'll have a part two of this. I, I guess at that point it'd be a part technically a part five. Uh <laughs> more or less but thank you for being patient with everything man thank you for coming back on again and, and talking shot with me and and, and and i really wish people would, could listen to the first episode but this one right here has has just enough fire and it was a little bit longer so that's always awesome yes sir i appreciate it thank you a lot man and uh, i hope people you know, really start checking out and listening to a lot of other uh, podcast episodes that you put out they've been great no thank you yeah appreciate that absolutely all right, man. So thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast. Continue to stay healthy. Continue to stay well. Continue to always improve your sports performance. However, go on. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the High Impact Health Podcast with your host, Dr. Diamond Jones. It would mean the world to me if you were to hand over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and just leave me a review or a like or a follow or a subscribe, any of those things that help push the podcast forward. Share it out to a friend or two, right? All this will help me to not only be able to deliver the best content, but help get this knowledge out there more and more. And it allows me to do more of these podcasts, right? The more people we have listening, the more we can kind of spread it out there too. So again, uh, please like, follow, share um, the podcast, and I appreciate that in advance. Thank you.